Hello everyone, my name is Nick. I'm here to talk about people of vision, focusing on Peter and his vision in Acts 11, 1 to 30, that we've just heard read. Now there's some questions about this passage. First of all, why did Pete Luke tell us the story twice within a short period of time? Acts, you see, Luke wrote Acts on a roll of papyrus, which is uh, um, a forerunner of paper made from reed. And the biggest roll you could get would be about 30 odd feet long, which was only just long enough to get all the stuff that Luke wanted to include in the story of Acts on one roll. So space was at a premium. So why would he tell the same story twice in full detail, it's also in chapter 10 of Acts. He was short of space and he had so much to get in. I think he did it because he saw this particular episode as a vital milestone in the story of the church. You see, all of Jesus's earlier follows and the disciples were Jewish. And what would eventually be called Christianity was at risk of becoming just another kind of Judaism. If the Jews ever got round to accepting it, they would have wanted to keep it for themselves, not have the despised foreigners, the Gentiles, involved in it. But, says Luke, this was not God's intention. And the key to making a change in Peter's attitude, Peter was a, a devout Jew, was in the vision. And that's the reason why Luke tells us the story twice. In Bible stories, the crucial bits are often told more than once, sometimes even three times, as we shall see. So what then was Peter's point of view? Peter was a, a strong man. He was a natural leader. He was a proud Jewish person. But he was also perhaps a little bit of a rebel. He was impetuous. Sometimes he was fearful, as we know from the stories. But Jesus had picked him as what he called the rock on which the church would be built. And to do this, he needed to change Peter's attitudes, especially his attitudes to the foreigners, the Gentiles, and hence the vision. Peter was already starting to learn and perhaps even rebel a bit. Chapter 10 gives us the first full account of this vision that Jesus foresaw. And Peter was staying then with a chap called Simon. Now, Simon was a tanner. He was permanently unclean in the eyes of Jewish people because he was constantly handling animals and animal material. Peter goes up onto the roof and he sees this magical sheet lowered down in front of him with all sorts of unclean animals and birds on it. 
Remember, Peter was a devout Jews. He wouldn't touch anything like that. And God comes down to him and, and commands him to kill and eat. Not surprisingly, Peter was completely shocked by this. And he actually refuses God's command. I won't do it. I have never killed any. I've never eaten anything unclean. And I'm not going to start now. To Peter's astonishment, God rebukes him. Do not call anything impure that I've made clean, he says. And he repeats that three times. Remember, three times again. Peter is chastened by this and puzzled. What on earth can it mean? He goes down and meets a number of Gentiles, including the God-fearing person, centurion, Cornelius. Now, God-fearing was a term used in the Bible to refer to people as Gentiles. Centurion Cornelius had also had a vision to prepare him for his vital role in this. And he tells them about Jesus. Well, Peter tells them about Jesus. And Peter is astounded because as he was speaking, the Holy Spirit comes down upon these despised foreigners. How can this possibly be, he thinks. Then it dawns on him. Of course, that's it. God has made them clean. The lesson had been learnt, and that was what the vision was all about. Well, what about us? Do we get the message as well? Let's think about what the result was. For Peter, his attitude was certainly changed, at least towards the Gentiles. You can understand why, because there were three whammies, three again, in chapter 10. First of all, the vision and the, rebuffed, the, the abrupt rebuke from God. Secondly, the encounter with the Gentiles. He, he goes into Cornelius' house. Now, Cornelius, remember, was a Gentile. Respectable Jewish people would not go into a Gentile's house unless it was some sort of emergency. Not only that, but Peter actually eats with them. And this contrasts with what the people that Cornelius sent to fetch Peter actually did when they got to Simon's house. They stood by the gate, Luke tells us. They did not go in because it was not allowed. So that was the second whammy, if you like. And the third one was the fact that the Holy Spirit fell upon these Gentiles when Peter was speaking to them about 
Jesus. And they worshipped. And they spoke in tongues. And they celebrated. And they believed. So Peter then has learnt something new. And he begins to rebel about what he had been taught as a child. As a child, he was taught the Gentile people were unsuitable. They were not to be talked with. They were not to be met. They were not to be made friends of. But here we are now that there are no unsuitable people according to God's message. So he has learnt that lesson. And what about the church? God's purpose for the church is beginning to unfold. This is another reason why Luke thinks this is such a central, pivotal passage. Christianity, as it's soon going to be called, is not a faith just for Jewish people, just for the chosen people. Christianity is a faith for the whole world. Another reason, then, why Luke tells us the story twice and why Peter, the person of vision, is now beginning to take shape as the rock that Jesus wants him to be to lead the formation of the early church. That gives us a bit of an explanation then of this passage, the person of vision becoming Jesus's rock. But what about us? What have we learnt from it for ourselves? The lessons that Peter had to learn were quite hard lessons because it was contradicting what he had been taught as a child and as a proud and devout Jewish person. It's hard for us, too. We begin to know from this passage, from this story, that when people are obedient, God does wonderful things. But when we are not obedient, he doesn't do that. And we also learn that there aren't any unsuitable people. We don't call them Gentiles nowadays, but we sometimes think people, some people, are not really suitable to become Christians. And in today's secular world, there are a lot of people who think Christians are unsuitable people. We must reach out to all people, even those people who mock our faith. We also learn, as Peter learned, that some of the rules are not relevant anymore. Now, 
I want to be careful, I'm not referring to the difficulties the government is, uh, is struggling with today. But some of the old traditions, some of the things that were taken to be definite rules by which we have to operate and live, are ignored in Christianity and they're not seen as being relevant. Like Peter's prejudices about Gentiles. And again, like Peter, we may be puzzled and perhaps even afraid when we read these stories. Many people in the last year or so have become puzzled and afraid. And we may well be some of them. But let's remember what Paul, another person who grasped a hard message and got it into his heart. Remember what Paul says. God does not test us beyond our abilities, he says. We will be equipped. Do not worry, Jesus told his disciples, about what you will say. The words will be given to you. Do we believe that? Does the thought that, oh, I wouldn't know what to say or what to do or how to do it, does that deter us from reaching out as we are commanded to do? Paul says again, Thessalonians, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Now these are hard times and we have a lot to put up with. But Peter, the man of vision, when he was given this instruction, this command by, by God, went forward with confidence to do what God had told him to do, even though it was contradicting everything that he thought he held dear. That's something for us to think about in the future, perhaps. Like Peter, let's be a rock for Jesus.